the meaning of Mary Magdalene, discovery of the woman at the heart of Christianity. How is that even possible? The woman at the heart of Christianity that most people don't really even know. Welcome to the Women Talk podcast, where ordinary women share their extraordinary stories. We would love for you to share your story on our podcast. Go to www.womentalk.ca and apply to share your story. And now, let's welcome your host, founder and CEO of Women Talk, Bridget Lassard DL. Today, my guest is Ariana Brackenberry, and she shares the story of the forgotten woman of Christianity, Mary Magdalene, an absolutely fascinating part of Christianity that has been hidden for years. Here is Ariana's story. I've been recently reading a book by Cynthia Bourgeau called The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, Discovery of the Woman at the Heart of Christianity. How is that even possible? The woman at the heart of Christianity that most people don't really even know, unless, of course, you were in France and where Mary Magdalene is a very, very popular figure. But most of us have been brought up on the on the masculine-dominated patriarchal Bible that currently exists and certainly was instrumental in pushing women away from any kind of power. Mary Magdalene was an amazing woman. I think most people have heard her name, but they don't really understand what her role was. She was a very critical person in the time of Jesus's life and in the space of holding the energy of what he came to do on the planet. I personally believe she was his partner. Um, and certainly they were both part of the Essene community that really had all the beliefs and, and practices that Jesus tried to bring into place as part of anchoring the Christ consciousness on the planet. So why is it that she was put down so deeply and that she had to fight to be actually even heard? Mary Magdalene was one of the three women at the crucifixion. And I think if any of us can think of a loved one being nailed to a cross and having to to have the courage and the training to be able to hold space for that and knowing what was about to transpire is beyond most of our comprehensions. She was trained in the mystery schools in Egypt, as was Jesus, in order to bring this Christ consciousness onto the planet. And she was there watching. And most of us can't even begin to imagine what it would feel like to be able to be present and hold space to allow that to occur. And especially Mother Mary standing there watching her son being crucified. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't like most of the statues show with a little bit of this and that. It was gory. It was awful. And so that gives you the idea of the depth of her, but the training that she had to be able to hold space for that. Mary Magdalene was also called the disciple to the disciples. She was the first person that Jesus came to after the crucifixion, saying, bring the word that I am back and go tell all the good news. And so what happened? What happened during that time that she got written out pretty much? And she was portrayed as being a prostitute, as being a sinner, 
by what's called the master story. This is part of Cynthia Bourgeau's book, where she talks about how the story was constructed to maintain the patriarchal structures that were also in existence at that time. So she was essentially someone that understood his teachings deeply. And her story came out more fully when the Gospel of Mary Magdalene was discovered. It was discovered in the late 1800s, but it wasn't brought into public awareness until about the mid-20th century, at the same time roughly as the Nag Hammadi scriptures were found. And they were a collection of early Christian texts that had been taken out of the Bible. Now, some of the purists of the Bible people said they would be taken out because they weren't relevant. Well, they were very, very relevant. And it's in the reading of these specific texts that we start to get that deeper picture of Mary Magdalene and who she was, and also the energy that the male apostles were bringing. So there was a lot of jealousy, and there was a lot, I think, of the sense of them struggling with her being a woman and having kind of the ear of Jesus, the one that he confided in first. And the Gospel of Thomas, and they talk about him often kissing her on the mouth. So there was a clear relationship that they had that was special, that was different. And I think in my own readings, I've found that often those other disciples were somewhat jealous of that relationship. And they also didn't really understand really the depth of which she embodied the teachings of Jesus and the healing of Jesus. So she was brought into having to go forward and moving away from the main area where the disciples were and traveling to France following the crucifixion. And that's where many of these scenes went. They ended up in France in the south, and they were actually part of the Essene community that was centered at Bougara, one of the most famous mountains on the planet, and uh, one with amazing energy and ley lines. So they knew they were very well versed in energy and healing and natural remedies. And they knew where the ley lines were, and they knew where the energy centers were. And in, in essence, today, we're often so embarded with other things that we don't often take the time to feel the energies of the planet. But the Essenes were really amazing at doing that. So they came to France following the crucifixion. And there are many stories of where Mary Magdalene went, but she mostly, the main stories seem to be consistent with the fact that she came ashore in a little town on the Mediterranean called Saint-Marie-de-la-Mer. And from there, they journeyed across the south of France. And mostly the legends were very much in the Languedoc area. She also was um, believed to be part of her ministry uh, around the area of Marseille. And there's certainly a beautiful cave that's in St. Maximum de la Boum that is not too far from Marseille. Um, I'm in the midst of creating and have created a Mary Magdalene pilgrimage that allows us to visit France and to visit many of the places where she is honored around that country. And France is a very, very feminine country. So it's an interesting place for her to go 
following the crucifixion and away from that real masculine part of Egypt and, you know, really in that area of the planet that was very patriarchal. And over to France, which is heart energy and strength, and the feminine is very much a part of France. So it seems like that's a logical place for her to go following the crucifixion. You're listening to the Women Talk podcast, where ordinary women share their extraordinary stories. And I am Bridget Lissardiel, your host. A quick thank you to two of our sponsors that make this podcast possible. First, Seeger Consulting, removing the technology headache from your business. For more information on Seeger Consulting, go to SeegerConsulting.com. And a big thank you to sportsbras.ca, where you get less bounds for your buck. For the perfect sports bra, go to sportsbras.ca. And now, back to the story. I had no idea that Mary Magdalene was such a crucial part of Christianity. That's crazy. I know, isn't it? And how do you keep something like that a secret? Like discovery of the woman at the heart of Christianity and Cynthia Bourgeau actually was, um, um, is an ordained minister, uh, and her book is really dives into very deeply into scriptures and where things were actually part of this master story and where things were put aside. And yeah, it's fascinating to me. And I think the reason, as we talked earlier of her resurgence on the planet because her energy is very strong now. I consider her to be an ascended master. The Pope Francis actually declared her a feast day on July 22nd, which is a very interesting day because that's the day the massacre occurred at Bézier where the Cathars were essentially um, burned. Uh, thousands and thousands of thousands of people. So the church pretty nasty in those days let's just say oh i don't know if it was just the why church, but it was a nasty, well, yeah, it was why, nasty do think, why do you think that is that we we ended up in such a patriarchal pretty patriarchal culture how did that happen well it it happened from very because it got set in place very, very early. You can tell by the, if, if Cynthia Bourgeau goes into this, how did it get shifted from here's this woman who is the disciple to the disciples who is essentially written out of the story because they didn't want her in the story. They portrayed her in a, in a way that made her look like a sinner or a prostitute. So it wasn't in their interest to have women have the power or equal be equal to the men. So yeah, it's fascinating how that all happened. And it's very much connected into the power that certainly the early people that were setting up the gospels and deciding what should be in the, you know, what should be shared, what shouldn't be shared, what was taken out. It, it is an, a fascinating story. How did you come to the conclusion that she was married or with Jesus? Um, well, I've read many, many, many books. And so there's a lot of books being channeled right now about that time. But also even in the scriptures and Cynthia Bourgeau in this book very much goes into that relationship and the 
you know, there is a thing in the church where they wanted him, this asceticism, this whole thing of uh, priests being male and, and non, uh, non-sexual. And so, you know, really what Cynthia Bourgeau talks about very much is the actual text in those new gospels that indicate more deeply what their relationship was. So it's that book plus many, many of the other books that I've read that seem to be, there seems to be a common conclusion. There was a movie called The Da Vinci Code that actually talked very much about the relationship. And of course, it's a novel, it's a movie, but I think it it started to um, create a lot more thought around it. Was this really true? Who was she and why was she standing there watching the crucifixion? Yeah, and actually that's one of the first time I, I got thinking about this it was from the Da Vinci Code and uh, the um, you know all the documentaries around this and of course the Last Supper's painting which a lot of people are saying that the person to his right was Mary Magdalene. Yes, and of course there are bills that will deny, you know, but I think all of it is really we can be bombarded with all sorts of information but the reality is most of it is conjecture and, and puzzling, putting p- together pieces of a puzzle to, to start to flesh out what the real story was. Do we know where she died? Well, that's an interesting story. There, there is, a, on our trip, we'll be visiting St. Maximum de la Boam, de la Boam, I don't know if I'm saying that right, which is Essentially, there is a um, legend that says she was buried there. So that's one of the possible places. There's also a legend that says that she was at Bukharah. So I don't know where she's buried. And even in the Louvre, there's lots of things with Mary Magdalene, and, and they're supposedly having some of her remains there. So there's lots of legend, and there's lots of... I think people want to claim these things, right? So it's like, um, I don't know if it even matters. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? No, it doesn't. I, I, you're right. Um, it, it's just so fascinating to me how women have been erased from history. You know, it, it's just mind-boggling. Um, tell me about Bugara, the mountain. What, what is that about? I, I don't know about it. Well, it is... Um Oh, I've got, it was actually um, a place where people thought were uh, at the December, uh, what was it, 12, 2012, where the end of the world was coming, where that was kind of where the people that were Bugara were going to be saved from this, <laughs> whatever was going to happen. But it's a very famous mountain. Um, it's uh, got tons and tons of energy. As far as some of the readings I've been doing, because the Essene community was actually centered there. So they would have picked a spot that actually had strong energy lines on it. And certainly um, anything, if you go and read a little bit about Mount Bugara, it is um, very clear that there's tons and tons of stuff that's there. And it's, it is conjectured as well that Jesus is buried there. So it's, yeah, there's so much and it's fascinating to explore. How did you ever get interested into researching Mary Magdalene? Well, it's an interesting story. Um, I had been doing um, Camino de Santiago pilgrimages for several years. 
And I had um, gone on a plane coming back from a 2017 40-day journey. And a friend was sitting in the very front of the aircraft. So it's kind of like uh, one of those divine, I call it um, the earth traffic control system. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like, um, I think it's true. that There are people we're supposed to talk to. There's people that have messages for us. I believe we all have messages for each other. We don't really always know the importance of even just a small message, but really um, it was, that was the beginning. And my friend June said, why don't you come to a party tomorrow? And my, you know, my brain was thinking, that's the last thing I really want to do after a 40 day pilgrimage. But um, we ended up by the baggage together for half an hour. And she said, I have something important to talk to you about. And so I decided to go to this party and we got some quiet time together. And she said, here's these three books that I'm fascinated by. And it was my mind thinking, and she's saying, I think you're supposed to do a pilgrimage here. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like really? <laughs> it doesn't, it was nothing that I'd ever planned. Of course, most of my life is nothing that I ever planned, but I read those three books. And um, there's a book by Kathleen McGowan that talked about the expected one. And it's similar to the Da Vinci Code in some ways. That it, I think a lot of these books are based on a, certain, a lot of research, but there's also some creativity involved in them. So I read those three books and I, and I was really feeling like that connection. And so I made the decision. I did my first pilgrimage last fall and it was kind of our inaugural one where we checked out the different places and uh, uh, it was amazing actually and places that we went you know we were we were in places where many people were burned at the stake where people were um, you know the whole Cathars that were connected with the Essenes uh, were exterminated in the 12th century uh, which is a you know we we talk about uh, some of the things on the planet today, but seriously, I don't know how far we've evolved, Bridget. <laughs> well, at least we're not burning people at the stake. <laughs> well, and I think when you talk about women and not having a voice, I think part of it is that whole thing that the women that were healers were actually, uh, people were afraid of them because they had that much power. And I think that's where the burning of the stage came in. And they would, you know, they would throw women weighted down into the water and drown them. And if they came back up, they were totally witches. And if they died, they didn't care. Uh, but, you know, it was, incredible. it was, it's not surprising that so many of us as women have had a hard time with the throat chakra and finding our voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, because we have, although it's yeah, hundreds of years ago, it's in our DNA. It's totally in the DNA and it's totally what we're carrying forward. I believe that this is the time for women to start to, to claim that power back. And, and so that it's a balance, it's not about being better than men. It's about how do we create a, that beautiful balance that would have been part of these scene communities where um, there's just this naturalness of respect mm. and um, we are making progress, but it feels like sometimes it feels very, very slow, uh, especially as we know on the planet right next door to us. 
is he yeah there's, no there's this movement not just in the u.s but in in canada and ontario and certainly coming up to the elections um that are coming forward and the candidates yeah. are picking up on that, that male like it's so strong in the u.s that it's it's almost like giving permission to the men to start to roll back some of the progress that has been made well we're not going to let that happen ariana <laughs> No, we're not. We no, we're, we're not. not. Uh, I yeah. just find it absolutely fascinating. I am not a religious person, but I must tell you that you have absolutely piqued my curiosity. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I am not a religious person, it is because it is so male-dominated. That's how it feels to me. And I've never realized this until I started talking with you and about Mary Magdalene and like you, you're shifting something in me. I'm absolutely um, intrigued with all of this. So before we go, tell us about uh, your pilgrimage that you're you have coming up. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting! So we're going off on the 30th of April to France for for two weeks, basically, and we're visiting many of the places. Like there are Églises de la Madeleine all over. Um, France. It's a quite an amazing thing. So we're starting in Paris. We're going to the famous Cathedral of Chartres, uh, which has a labyrinth in it. And we're just following kind of, I think, the trail of her energy. Um, we head south and then all along, we go up to that cave where she was reputed to have died. Uh, we come to the place where she came ashore and then we move over to Langdok and it's in the Langdok area that there's so much energy and so many legends so um, it's a very small group we have actually um, four people two, two main people leading and two um, assistants and a room for eight um, so if people are interested in uh, going with you where do they sign up where do they get the information they can get it at the marymagdalenepilgrimages.com or they can call me. Um, it's getting close to departure time. So if somebody is thinking, there's some space left, but it is certainly um, not going to remain open. So they are can you call gonna me. Do, oh, sorry. And what's your phone number here? It's 403-608-4274. And are you going to be doing more pilgrimage in the future about Mary Magdalene? Yes, there's one, I'm pretty sure it's going to be in May next year, roughly May 5th um, to, I think, the 20th. When will, the, when will the tickets for that come available? After we come back. Okay, great. Because what happens usually when we're on the trip, there's tweaks and there's things that we realize that we want to change. And... Um, yeah, it's it's always I'm, roughly will be the same length, but I think there'll be a slightly different itinerary. But uh, it will be not really publicized until after we come back. What a beautiful story! What a beautiful journey this will be. Uh, MaryMagdalenePilgrimage.com is where you get your tickets. And thank you, Ariana Brackenbury, for such a beautiful story. If you have a burning desire to share your story with our audience, apply to be on our podcast. To apply and find a full list of our podcasts, go to www.womentalk.ca.